The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. I'm staring across the table at Kara, and she has a huge grin on her face because today we are recording the much-anticipated episode about period products. A moment for those who are not aware that the array of period products has exploded since those of us in our mid-40s first started menstruating. And for those who started menstruating even earlier, this array of products is going to blow your mind. Now, when we were growing up, the options were pads, and tampons. And the invention of wings on pads was just about the most exciting thing that ever happened. Today, we are going to go so much further down that road of period products and explore all of the different options so that those of you caring for people who get their period will know about what is available to them They can test and try and see what is comfortable, what feels good, what works, all of those different things that can be very complicated for people who menstruate. We're going to get it out in the open. We're going to talk about all the products, and we might even laugh a little bit. Are you ready? You didn't describe the enormous Mary Poppins-like oh, bag. Oh, sorry. So not only does Kara have a shit-eating grin on her face, but she also has a massive leather satchel next to her on the table where we're recording. And it's like so full, it's about to topple off the table because it's got so much stuff inside of it. I was not allowed to look. I was tempted you tried. to peek. You tried. <laughs> was not allowed to look. So she, like Mary Poppins, is going to pull out of her bag, not a spoonful of sugar, but some other items to help us on our journey. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. What do you want to start with first? Should we start with pads? Yeah, let's start gentle. Let's start gentle. Let's start gentle. So when I first started teaching health education in schools, which was probably about 15, 16 years ago now, I was trying to figure out how to relate to the kids without sort of taking over and co-opting their pre-period experience. Because health education is so much of what drives that class is the anticipation of talks around periods who's going to get their period. And by the way, this is independent of gender because health education classes for all genders cover the period. So what I decided to do was I decided to go into the schools. I was at this one school. I decided to go into the school's nurse's office to look for the oldest pad that they had. I wanted to show the kids in the class what an ancient pad looked like. And I don't have the visual here. It's killing me that I don't have it here, but my bag wouldn't even fit in my bag this bad because it was so big. Okay, so I want to... So I do have one visual, though, that goes along with this. So can you hear Cara rustling in her rustling. In Okay, her bag. Vanessa, what's that? Uh, a set of safety pins, probably about eight or nine safety pins. Yeah, which are neatly pinned together. Of course they are because they're cars. (laughs) So they're totally orderly. (laughs) They are. In ascending or descending size. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. It's really actually quite pathetic. But so the pad that I found, I I think I found it like a time capsule at the school (laughs) or something because it was way before our time. But it was a pad that was about two inches thick. And it was some sort of squishy, foamy-like material on the inside. I never, 
I never dissected it and cut it open to see what the material was inside, but I figure it was like just big pieces of cotton. Mm -hmm. And then it was encased in this super long sleeve of cotton that I, I I am not exaggerating, had to have been 18 inches long. So the sleeve sort of had filling in the middle and then about three or four inches of tail on either side that were just the cotton sleeve continuing with no padding in the middle. And that was the whole pad. And the idea was you just put it in your underpants and it was so long that maybe it stayed there on its own. Mm. But you could also use these little safety pins and you could either pin the pad to your underpants or you could belt the pad in. And a belt was a contraption that went around your waist. And if anyone heard our episode with Mary Pat Dratty, <laughs> she talked about in the 80s being given a belt by her mother. By the way, her mother has no memory of it. She has since spoken to Mary Pat Which is to her so mother funny. about the episode. Her mom's like, I don't remember that. Yeah, and Mary Pat's like, well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the belt, it, belts looked different ways um, depending upon how they were constructed, but generally they were made of a nylon material and they wrapped around your waist. And then they had, it was almost like, you know, the, the old garter belts mm-hmm. holding up stockings, but this was around your waist. And then these, these straps hung down and you would literally use safety pins and pin the ends of this enormo pad into the straps that hung down from the belt. And let me just tell you, Safety pins open, okay? Oh, God. They I open didn't even spontaneously. Think about that. So there are so many ways this could go wrong. There's so many other ways that blood could be drawn with this contraption. And yet, this is what many, many, many women used before we ever got our periods. Do you know, I never, I've never asked my mom what she used. And trust me, me, she would talk about it. I need to, I need to ask her what she used. That's so funny. I have not either. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, we need to we need to get on that. I I will say, and I have this, um, I have a little bit of chagrin about the fact that I have always said having your period should. You know, I am an athlete. I believe people should move their bodies every single day in whatever way they can. I've always said having your period should never get in the way of you playing sports or working out or swimming. But the truth is. It's actually really unfair of me to say that because there are many people over many generations whose ability to care for having their periods did prevent them from being able to do that. And so I'm going to walk back my um, generalization about that, about people who don't have access to all of the products we are going to explore today. Yeah. I think your word should is the right word because it shouldn't but it, it often does. Right. And for generations, it really did. And that doesn't even get into issues of, of pain and activity prevention. Right. We're just talking pain. about blood logistics here, right? Blood, blood management flu- logistics. Menstrual fluid. Yes. Menstrual Thank you. fluid Thank logistics. You. Correction. I know it's not as, um, yeah. doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. <laughs> blood logistics. Sorry, I didn't mean it that way. Um, okay. So, <laughs> okay, so that's, that's safety the old pins safety are pins. putting to the side. So, by the, you know, I, I don't have the years in front of me and I can't say specifically, but I think it was in the mid to late 70s, pads began to be manufactured with a sticky adhesive layer. And so the belt was gone because the pads could stay in place in the underpants. And for those of you who have never seen a pad, those pads were almost as long as the 18-inch Enormo and almost as thick. In in the 70s, they were probably, you know, anywhere from half to one inch thick of slightly more compacted down cotton material wrapped in another layer of cotton. And then on the bottom side was a piece of double-sided tape, essentially. And one piece of tape was already stuck to the pad and the other side piece of tape had a plastic cover that you could remove and you then put it in the crotch of the underpant and this very thick boat-shaped pad would collect the menstrual fluid. And it was thick and its thickness was supposed to allow for more absorbance, right? But 
the issue was that the way the the cotton was processed and and packed together, um, just having more of it didn't make it a whole lot more absorbent, right? So um, it's like a duvet or a comforter where things don't always evenly distribute right. across a comforter and they can get lumpy and bumpy in some places and thin in other places. And those pads, they were game changers because you didn't have to wear a belt, but still, you know, wearing a leotard, wearing um, anything that was kind of fitted, it was not really that workable with these pads because they were very, very bulky. So by the early 80s, there was a shift in the technology and materials began to come on board and be available at mass scale that were more super absorbent. And actually, when I was in high school, which was in the mid 80s, there were all of these ads that were coming up on TV showing the thickness of the old pads compared to the thinness of the new pads. And they would, Mm -hmm. in the ads, people would pour a, a random hand would pour a blue liquid in this blue, a beaker, a beaker with blue liquid. Yes. And it was always blue. And we're going to get back to that in a second, but they would pour blue liquid onto the thick old pad and then the same amount of blue liquid onto the thin new pad. And lo and behold, the thick old pad would leak and the thin new pad would not. And this was sort of a visual proof, if you will, that the thin pads were technologically superior and you could put them in your underpants and they would hold more blood and tissue. They would hold more menstrual I fluid. think the same ad agency that did the bounty quicker picker upper <laughs> ads did the did the those pad ads also. Yes, it was really inside the box. And because menstrual fluid is blue. Menstrual fluid okay, so there are so many fabulous articles, hilarious articles written about why the blue menstrual fluid. Why could we not acknowledge that menstrual fluid was red, right? But only recently has blood been depicted as blood in menstrual product advertising. By the way, blood has been depicted as blood in all sorts of other ways forever, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. So over the next several decades, the thickness of pads got less and less and less. So now, and this is what I forgot to bring in, I'm kicking myself, I was going to bring you an array of current pads, but now the current pads, it is almost impossible to distinguish between what people call a panty liner pad, which is generally a pad that has the least absorbency and is meant for the lightest days. And or a, when you ex- think you're going to get your period and you want to have something in your underwear. Right, exactly. It is almost impossible to tell the difference between that pad and an overnight pad that is meant to be used for 10 to 12 hours and it can catch larger volumes of, you know, it's your heaviest flow night of your cycle and you're going to be good with this one pad. And when you put those two pads side by side, the thickness is really not that different, which is a technological feat. Now, the panty liner pads are shorter. Mm-hmm. And just so that people understand the rationale, it's because the idea is you're going to wear a panty liner pad when you're up and about and around. And if you're standing up vertical, the blood's only going to go kind of in a narrow region. Whereas if you're laying down at night, tossing and turning in a bed, the blood could go kind of course backwards. It could course forwards. I've always wondered why the length was so different though, because, you know, I, I get it intellectually, I get it, but um, there's there's sort of nothing about a, a light day that for people who sleep in a panty liner, the idea being, you know, well, if you're going to spot, if you're just going to have a little bit of menstrual bleeding, is it going to go exactly in one place? Not only is it not going to go exactly in one place, but somehow the menstrual fluid knows how to go exactly past where the edge of the pad or the panty liner is. It's like, it's like unbelievable. It It has ESP. It's like, oh, here's the edge. So I'm going to go just over the front or just over the back. And then you gain it and you're like, next time I'm going to get it in that spot. And then it goes the other spot. It's unbelievable. I will say there are some pads for nighttime, you know, the like mega absorbency pads that are longer. They're very long. They're as long 
as the 1960s bomb shelter pad that I found (laughs) at the school. And they have, so let's talk about wings. Yes. So in the 80s, along with ever thinner pads came wings. And wings were a miracle because what wings did is they expanded the width of the pad so that the pad actually wrapped around the base of the underwear. So again, for those who haven't seen this before, if a pad looks like a very long oval, a pad with wings looks like a very long oval that in the middle has two, I mean, literally wings. wings. Two, and they're right in the middle, and they're half circles or sort of half ovals, and they come off the pad. The absorbent material continues sort of out the side, and they they have their own adhesive strip so that you have an adhesive strip down the middle to anchor the, the main pad in place, and then you have two mini adhesive strips on the wings, and you fold one wing under the right side and one wing under the left side. And what makes it so game-changing is that often the fluid hits the middle of the pad successfully, but then it also goes over the sides. So you were like, oh, I almost got it right. But then it was getting to the edge of the pad and onto the underwear and then possibly onto your clothing. And so the wings solve that overspill issue. Yes. Many, many, many times in my life have I blessed the existence of wings. The wings are are really, they were a phenomenal ad. And so overnight pads are not just longer, but they all have wings at this point, pretty much. Whereas the lighter day pads, some do, some don't, and you can find them any which way. I want to make one really important medical comment about pads, and that is There are some pads that come perfumed. Mm. Most pediatricians, I'm in this camp, do not love perfumes in products that are right up against the body all day long. Perfumes can be really irritating. And the reason why the perfumes were put in there was really to offset the sort of sweat plus menstrual fluid has its own very distinct odor. And some people feel really self-conscious about it. And so the perfume was added in there, meant to maybe offset it. but it, Or like mask it. But it doesn't. But it's it doesn't. Like, it's like Axe for- For your you know, vagina. For your, yes. <laughs> it does And not I will work. say, I once accidentally bought scented pads and it really irritated yeah. my body. Yeah. So, and it, it's hard to find unscented sometimes. I mean, if go stand in a pharmacy and look at all the offerings and it's complicated and you think you found, okay, I found the right length. I found the right density. I found the right wing, you know, organization. And, oh, but this one is scented. And even more, our friend Sarah Milken, who hosts the Flexible Neurotic Podcast, sent me an ad for quiet opening menstrual care products so that if you're sitting in a bathroom stall and there are other people around and you have to open it, it doesn't make a noise. You know what, Vanessa? There is one thing that I have learned since starting this podcast and since starting Umla that I just want to yell at the top of my lungs. I'm so grateful to Gen Z for saying to those of us in Gen X who were very busy trying to teach Gen Z how to hide their tampon up their sleeve and how to tuck their pad in their underpants when they walk down the hall so no one knows, Gen Z is like, why? Why? There should be no shame. So you have your period. So what? Why are we hiding it? And I adore them for that. And I want to yell it from the rooftops because something happened in our menstrual education, where we were taught to feel a bit of shame around having our periods. A bit, a boatload. A bit, a a pad load of shame. And so a quiet pad is being marketed to a generation of people who have shame. And let's let's put the quiet pad out of business. But I but I would push back on that. I don't know what they're calling the people after Gen Z, but they're the kids that we work with in our puberty workshops who yes. are sort of like 
between eight and 12 years old, right? So they're gen Google I think they're Plex. alphas, but I'm not positive. Okay. So the questions, more than any other questions we get in our puberty workshops about menstruation is the logistics of being in school and bringing your pad or tampon or whatever to the bathroom without someone knowing. But this is my point. This is my point. Gen Z is trying to shift that norm entirely. No, I appreciate that, but I, it's still not, they it may, a, they may have embraced, embraced it. And it yeah. may be that once these kids start menstruating, they may feel- It's a fair point. It's they may feel point. more comfortable, but I will tell you that these younger kids, to the point where we had a five-minute discussion in our last Dynamo Girl puberty workshop about if you go to a school where you have to leave your backpack in the hallway mm. and you have your period- what can you do to get your menstrual care products to the bathroom when you need it without someone noticing it? Yeah. And I hope, and you're so like this that I know you've did this. I hope in addition to giving people lots of good strategies, you also said, and there's going to be a moment where you don't feel you have to hide it. And that is going to be an amazing thing because really there's no reason to hide it. But since this is how you feel, I'm going to honor how you feel. Correct. That is such a Vanessa way. I may or may not have told them that on my last plane trip, I took my tampon to the bathroom, like just full view of everyone. Were you waving it at people down the aisle? I mean, I didn't wave it, but I didn't hide it. And they were sort of shocked, but I was like, okay, well, maybe someday they'll remember this. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their Umbra's. It's why we say that the Umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A.com. After we've been Zooming all day, we both hit the same wall. We forgot about dealing with dinner. But given what we do for a living, we know the importance of feeding ourselves and our families well. And we want it to be yummy. So we're psyched to have found Factor. Factor's chef-created ready-to-eat meals show up at our front doors. With over 35 different options a week to choose from, Cara goes vegan and veggie while I opt for a whole variety since I have so many kids. Two-minute prep gets us restaurant-quality full meals, snacks, and smoothies. And Factor is less expensive than takeout. And because flexibility is key, you can choose anywhere from six to 18 meals per week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor meals require no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup. Our kids are thrilled by the lack of dishes. So get started today and have a week of meals ready to go, taking the dinner prep pressure off. Head to factormeals.com slash puberty50. Use the code PUBERTY50 to get 50% off. That's code PUBERTY50 at factormeals.com 
slash puberty 50. We know it's really tough when a kid's skin is breaking out for the first time or the hundredth time. But now there's an effective product that can help. It's called Phyla, and it's clinically proven to fix acne by targeting the bad bacteria on the skin without eliminating all the good bacteria. This rebalances the skin's microbiome, treating existing breakouts and preventing new ones. Phyla's active ingredient is a probiotic isolated from the skin of healthy, acne-free individuals. This means Phyla can stop acne before it starts by eliminating bacteria in the pores without irritating or drying skin. And Phyla is safe for kids of all ages. Dermatologists recommend this easy three-step system. Just cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. My own kids actually use this product. They love it because it works so well. Get 25% off your first order of Phyla with the code PUBERTY. Go to phylabiotics.com and type in the code PUBERTY at checkout. Link is in the show notes to get started. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. As a leading functional medicine practitioner, I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers, where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. Okay, so we've got pads. I feel like I want to go next to the the subsequent, the inheritor of the pad, even though pads still exist and people use it. Can we do one more tiny detail on pads? Yeah. Along the line of unscented being best, there is a big movement for organic products. Yeah, let's talk about that. And clean products. And there are wonderful companies who are innovating and trying to create not just organic products, but also organic products that work. Because the first editions of anything on the market tend to be first editions and often need improvement. And I, I would say organic pads were very much in that camp. They couldn't compete with non-organic pads in terms of uh, their ability to absorb fluid. But boy, are things changing. And so I do encourage parents, if you are looking for an organic product, there are lots of great options on the market. Um, uh, many of those products are direct to consumer and you have to find them online. There are some available in stores. The price point is different. And like everything else, when people are choosing organic, whether you're choosing organic vegetables or organic dairy products or organic pads, you have to make a choice sometimes based on your pocketbook. You know, this is one where if it's a pad going up against your skin, it would be a nice bonus to have it be organic. We're going to talk about tampons going inside your body and I'm going to have a stronger recommendation around things that actually go inside. Okay, now let's talk about the pad 2.0. And I know what you're going to say. You ready for me to go I'm in my ready. bag? I'm ready. This is going to be the part where Vanessa howls, howls with laughter. She's like rummaging around in her bag. They're washed, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Vanessa, describe what you see. Okay, so first things first, I'm looking at a pair of black th thong. I know. Holy moly, Cara. Okay, I'm looking at a pair of black thong underwear. And on the inside, <laughs> there's a little name tag that says... Cara, you know, you know what? I really appreciate how much you trust me because I would never in a million years bring my washed but used period underwear to the table. Okay. So Cara, it says Cara, which tells me that there are other people in your home who also have black thong period underwear. Or just let's, let's just say who might have period underwear. Who might have period yeah. underwear. Okay. Um, and, and, and I'm guessing it's not Paul. And we're not super interested <laughs> in sharing our period underwear. Yeah. Although Eve Rodsky told us in a separate episode that her nine-year-old son is in charge of the laundry, including washing 
period blood out of underwear, yeah, which, which I awesome. think is like amazing. Which is awesome. This is a different style. I okay, different so style. there's period thong. This one I recognize. This is a sort of a taupe colored period underwear. It's not a thong. Cars it's a bikini underwear. Brief. It's a bikini brief. Here's what's great about Cars underwear. Cars underwear would fit over one of my butt cheeks, <laughs> but not both. I would need two pairs of Cars period underwear to cover my ass, except for the thong. The thong is actually fair game. One seems to have more padding at the crotch. The other seems to have less. You mean the thong seems to have less? <laughs> Surprisingly enough, the thong has less padding at the crotch. Yeah. Um, and the, the material is totally and different. And the material is different. The bikini brief in taupe is this like a silkier material. The thong is like more of a stretchy cotton mm-hmm. material. But they're both period underwear and they both have absorbency that could preclude... Does it have a name tag also? Oh, I didn't put my name in you this You didn't one. put your name well, in Well, I'm one. the only one who has this color. Yeah, no one else wears taupe. No one under the age of 40 wears <laughs> taupe, silky period underwear. So talk to me about, like, do you know... Different period underwear can have different absorbency. Do you know what the absorbency is of this underwear? Are you like, oh, this is the underwear that is the equivalent of four tampons? This is the one that's equivalent of a panty liner. So I'm relatively new to period underwear, but... Not that new that you don't have a name tag. Well, <laughs> that could be five minutes in my house okay, before the name Quick, tag. label it. We, everything else is fair game to share. <laughs> the, the underwear, we're like... Oh. Fair enough. But these products are revolutionary. Period underwear is changing the experience of having a period. It is changing the fear around having a period because the most common thing that people who menstruate tell us is that they're worried about the moment when they stand up and there is blood on their pants or their shorts or their skirt and they don't know about it. Or they do. Or they do. And or there's they nothing do. they can do about and there's it. Nothing it's they the can do. number one fear we hear from kids yes. is is leaking. And this is a solution that takes, essentially takes that out of the equation. So I cannot tell you, I, you can go on these websites. There are so many great companies that do it. The underwear that you're looking at right now is by the company Thinks. There are a lot of choices out there. There is tons of information on their various websites. And there is information answering exactly your question, like how much blood menstrual blood does this period underwear hold? What's incredible about this underwear is it doesn't feel a whole lot different than the regular underwear that you wear that's not period underwear. It is two-ply. And then as Vanessa described, in the crotch, there is, on the silky pair, there's very clearly a panel that's got the absorbent layer. On the thong, it does not have that. The thong is rated as a light days period underwear. It's basically meant to manage spotting. The silkier brief style, and you can get the the material, all of these different products from different vendors come in all different combinations. So it's not like you can only get this shape in this material, but the one that's in front of you here, that's the, the brief style that's thicker, is rated for heavier flow days. And neither of them are rated for super heavy flow days. So on the days, those sort of peak days, which are often um, in most people cycle days two and three Mm -hmm. of a period, most of these companies will say, do not rely solely upon our product. And they do have companies make sleep shorts. Yes. Um, They make bathing suits. Yes, bathing suits. Bathing suits are brand new in the last, probably the last two years. Mm. Um, Really, I saw them on the market like this past summer, it was the first time I really saw them advertise. It's a game changer. Entire classes are unnecessary now because yeah. they were all about managing sort of life and activities and balancing that with having a period and understanding kind of what you can and and might not be able to do if you're not ready to use a tampon. And, and they have leotards. Gone. It's um, unbelievable. They have you know, gymnastics, leotards, they have all sorts of things that allow people to continue their regular activity. I actually know women who 
find their period underwear so comfortable that even after they stop menstruating, they still wear it because they love it. Now, I won't lie that from a doctor standpoint, I find them less breathable. Mm -hmm. And we did a whole episode on air and breathability, especially in the groin. And so I'm not sure that a super thick, tight-fitting underpant all the time is going to work for everyone. But um, you do you. So if if you have found... Well, they wear them because they act like... Some of them act like kind of Spanx. They, they come do. up high up and they, they do. hold you in. And so I have friends who wear their old period underwear instead of wearing Spanx, which... Yeah, to hold them. The in. other thing I love about these different Cara's companies. Cara's carefully folding her period <laughs> underwear while she speaks. <laughs> I am into perfect little squares. You can see who does the laundry <laughs> in my house. Um, so you know, one thing I do love about these new disruptive companies is that they have so much body inclusivity. Yes, built into the product development. So no one and they're advertising. Yes, so no one's putting out a product that's only going to fit two people. It's wonderful. I could go on and on about period underwear. I'm not going to, but I could, but we have to move on to All other right, period next product. products. Okay. Do you want to do tampons now? Oh, hello. Are we mentioning brands? Or are we not mentioning well, brands? Um, yeah. You know, I can, I'm so happy to share the brands that I brought. This in front of Vanessa is an organic um, <laughs> half used <L-O-L-A-L-O. laughs> or box of not, not half used. used. She hasn't no. put the used no, no, tampons no, no, no. in the box. Um, half used box of tampons by a company called Lola. Can I open it? Um, yeah. So you you have a super. I have um, a super in front of you, and I have a regular in front of me. And what I love about this box is they're funny. I'm gonna ASMR um, us here. I'm gonna okay. Open, go for it. Open them. Okay, that's so funny. That was. Um, so satisfying, the Lola, as my 11-year-old would say. The Lola box, when you open it, it literally says in the inside of the top, this too shall pass. And it and until it does, we're here for you. Oh, I'm I like, love that. Oh, I love what Lola. brilliant marketing. Yeah, they're so funny. Okay, so it's a cardboard applicator, which is better for the environment. But the cardboard applicator at the tip has like these sort of prongs that are up against the cotton and... They're actually nicely molded as opposed to sticking up and sharp, which happens with some applicators. So for those of you who have not ever really inspected a tampon applicator before, tampon applicators come as two tubes, one that fits inside the other. And um, when you open the package, the two tubes are pulled apart and the tampon itself is sort of loaded at the front of the first tube. And what you do is you push the second tube into the first tube and it basically propels the tampon out the tip. And those sort of fingers that Vanessa was describing at the tip wrap around and hold in the tampon itself. And as you push the tampon out, those um, those pieces kind of fan out and open and allow the tampon to come out. There are many tampons where when you open it, those fingers or tips are sort of wonky and they poke out. And so when you go to insert a tampon, they can scratch or irritate the inside of the vagina. It doesn't feel good to have a sharp object rub up against the wall of the inside of your vagina. Correct. Um, So when I showed my sons the engineering of a tampon, they were like completely blown away. So tampons are not just for the purview of the menstruating people in your house. You should show everybody you know. And Mary Pat, who had her own belt experience, actually has her son sometimes go and buy tampons for the people living in her house who menstruate because she wants no shame related. I have some friends who have their sons carry pads or tampons in their bag. So if they have friends who have their periods, they can be helpful. You know, a few things to say about tampons and tampon use that are really important. So tampons were first invented, I think around 1930, 1931. You got it. I was going to test you on that. Ooh, I ding, looked ding, it ding. up. Of and course you got that right. They yeah. they were not, I they did not become massively popular. Because? Well, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one was that people could die when they used tampons because if they left them in too long, a tampon is a foreign body. A foreign body just means anything that's not inherently your own body, right? So they, they're something that are, they're not human. They're, they're man-made 
And if you stick something into the human body that's not part of the human body, it is the job of the human body to either reject it or all the normal bacteria and viruses and other organisms that live inside our body may find an opportunity to grow and thrive on that foreign body. And that's exactly what happens when a tampon is left in too long, is that it collects all this menstrual blood and now it's a moist, warm environment that allows for bacteria that are normally in the vagina to grow and prosper. And if those bacteria grow and prosper and if those bacteria have what's called toxic shock protein, which is, you know, it's just there are certain bacteria that have this protein that cause toxic shock syndrome, then as this kind of releases out into the vagina and then gets picked up into the bloodstream, people can get what's called toxic shock syndrome. And toxic shock syndrome basically means that your um, blood pressure drops dramatically because the blood vessels start to dilate because you go into shock. I mean, any doctors who are listening to this are like, la, 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 la. That is the worst explanation of toxic shock ever. And it's not meant to be a really medical explanation. That's okay because we all have those little pamphlets in our boxes of tampons and none of us ever read them. And And you can and should. And there are really great articles that describe toxic shock. But that was the, you know, no one understood that if you left a tampon in too long, so how long is it okay to leave in a tampon? Yeah. Because I actually sleep in tampons. So, you know, listen, the teaching around this is really hypocritical because when we're teaching kids about keeping tampons in, we say four to six hours, four to six hours, don't leave them in longer than four to six hours. And then when you read the fine print, it's teach kids that because then they won't sleep in them because if they sleep in them, they might forget them. And it's if they forget them that it's the bigger problem. Mm-hmm. In other words... You know, it's not that if you go six hours and one minute that you have a problem. It's if you go 12 hours or 15 hours or 18 hours that you may have a problem. And it's different in different people. I mean, I, I've i heard stories of people who have had tampons in for days and and they were fine. They and forgot they, about them. They forgot about mm-hmm. them and their, their complications and consequences, but they were okay. Mm-hmm. And then I've heard, you know, devastating stories about people who have had tampons in for, you know, very short periods of time. And if they just happen to have the wrong bacteria floating around their body, they can get very, very sick. So we do teach that at the front end of starting to get your period, if you are going to opt to use a tampon, four to six hours would be the right amount of time. And there's another reason we teach that, which is that usually people are not using the size that you just opened there, Vanessa, the Mm -hmm. super. They are using the size that I'm about to open right now, which is the regular. And you can see the difference in the applicator size. Mm-hmm. It's significantly different. Um, the tampon itself, I'm going to push the tampon out of this applicator right now. The tampon itself is not that different. Mm-mm. It's a little longer and narrower, but it's not dramatically different. That's because the tampon is a single piece of cotton with um, a little bit of, in some tampons, there's something that's added that helps absorption. In this Lola tampon, it is just cotton. Um, and this is an organic tampon. And so so it's just cotton, but it's just tightly, tightly wound, tightly wrapped cotton that expands when it's inside of you. So what we're going to do is a little, we're going to do a little experiment. On TikTok, you can find videos that are amazing where people who menstruate will want to show people who don't menstruate how tampons expand and how it works. So what I'm going to do, we have a couple of water bottles. Did you finish your coffee? Can we use your coffee? Oh yeah. I was going to, well, I'm going to do one. I think it's double cupped. It's double cupped for a reason. So I'm going to pour some water into a cup. Okay. um, And what we're going to do is we're going to put the regular tampon into the water on one side of the cup and the super tampon into the water on the other side of the cup. And we're going to let Tampon, Are we going to let them sit? We're going to let them sit for a minute okay. while I tell you that when you go onto TikTok to look at these videos, what you want to look up are the videos where people put tampons into water bottles. And then what they're able to show is that the tampon expands enough to occlude the opening of the water bottle. And you not only see how big the tampon gets, but you can turn the water bottle upside down and the water won't come out. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of a fun TikTok. So now I'm going to show you the difference between a fully expanded super and regular. Right. And what do you see? The super is wider. How and much wider? Um, hold on. I got it. 
put them next to each other. Uh, a little bit wider. But not really Not much wider. I mean, also, they were not inside a vagina, so they didn't mold to a vagina. They just right. opened up. Right. And it's only about, I don't know, a quarter of an inch longer. Yeah, so it's really the applicator that's the biggest difference. Huh. Can I it's, put them back in the cup? Yeah, you can put okay. them back in the cup. So it's really the applicator in this instance that's the biggest difference. However, the smallest tampons, called Junior's, that a lot of kids will use when they first start using tampons, they are noticeably smaller and less absorbent. And so if you're keeping that in for more than four to six hours, it's done working. It's absorbed all the fluid it can absorb and you're going to start leaking. Part of the reason we give them an hour time limit is because kids need the predictability and the structure of being able to plan. So we get a lot of questions from parents about, is it safe for my child to use a tampon. Now, some people come from cultures or religions where it's not acceptable and your family does you and you make your decision. If you come from a family where it's okay to use a tampon, but you have concerns about safety or age, we give an hour time limit because kids' executive functioning is not as good as adult executive yeah. functioning. And, and when you say that, what you mean is you give a range of hours that feel safe to keep a tampon in not it's not, not a an hour like a one hour time. Oh, limit. sorry, it's yeah, a, a range of and also you want to make sure to let people know not to pull tampons out dry. And so <laughs> some people are like, oh, should I change it every ten minutes so that I don't leak? But leak. But the reality is, pulling out a dry tampon is very uncomfortable. You we encourage kids to wait until they are lubricated with menstrual fluid. Yeah. On the other hand, there will be lots of instances where towards the end of a period the flow becomes very inconsistent. And so someone might use a tampon, have it in for four to six hours, go to pull it out. It feels dry and irritated. Just take it out. And you may not have had a lot of menstrual bleeding during that window of time. It's not horrible to pull it out. Just the in and the out is a little bit easier when it's a moister environment. So that's tampons. I can't emphasize enough what you said, which is some people are, are not into using tampons and that's totally fine. And some people will never use tampons and that's totally fine. You don't need to. This is the incredible thing about what has happened to the period product market is there's kind of something for everyone now. This is so lucky that we are at this point. And hopefully the price point of so many of these products will start to go down so that there's really something for everyone. All right. Are we ready for the last item? Drum roll, please. Dun, dun, dun. Comes in okay. a case. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kara's comes in a purple drawstring pouch. Wait, mine doesn't have a purple drawstring pouch. Maybe they, maybe they knew we they were going to be a reviewing one. it. It's like a royal purple because yeah. people who menstruate are royal. It comes also with. Oh, a little booklet. instruction I booklet. Thought this, the Not instru- a little instruction booklet, it's, a thick instruction booklet. It's a very booklet. thick instruction booklet that's written in many languages that's shaped like one of those mini photo flip books, but it's not a fun mini <laughs> photo flip. And inside the bag is also a... Diva cup. Diva cup. Which, which is a brand. Which is a brand. Um, it's a brand of a menstrual cup. And this, <laughs> this too is very cool. All right, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm not going to pick up Cara's menstrual cup, but I will describe it for you. It is a silicone, like a funnel shape. Correct. With different measurements of milliliters, different lines on one side. On one side. Do you know what the best part of this podcast is? What just happened right now? Producer Brian stuck his head (laughs) over the the thing here, Brian. I've been hearing about these cups for months. Okay, and I have no idea what they it, look like. Do you want to describe do wanna, it? Do you want to describe it, Brian? Oh, wow. It's like a really short condom, sort of. It looks like a short it squat looks like condom. A, it looks like a condom for yeah, a very like a, wide, short penis. Or a narrow funnel. Or maybe. a hat. Yep. If you turn it upside down. A narrow funnel. Brian says it's made of silicon, not latex. And there are the more. Do markings- you want to feel it, Brian? <laughs> Brian's like, hard pass. If you're not <laughs> touching it, I'm not touching it. Um, so... It has on one side, the markings are in ounces, quarter of an ounce, half an ounce. So you can measure your menstrual fluid. And then fluid. on the other side is in milliliters. 
So 7.5 milliliters and 15 milliliters. Then it's this one, because it is a Diva Cup, is nicely stamped made in Canada. Made in Canada, because the Canadians do everything better and nicer than we do. And the way you put a a menstrual cup inside your body is you... Well, first, before we talk about... there's. Are you going to read us the whole pamphlet? I'm not. The book. <laughs> it's a book. The book has 130 pages. Oh, okay? my God. Literally 130 Very pages. small pages. Very small. So that um, they could fit in the purple pouch. But this was, look, this is where my age shows. You can't this, read it because the print <laughs> is too small. <laughs> that too. Okay. This was really new territory for me and for my 18-year-old who... I said, do you want me to order one for you too? And, you know, quite frankly, her answer was much like Brian's, hard no. Now, I think her generation is actually much more open. Yeah. They're like menstrual the cups. Gen Z and millennials are the biggest users of menstrual cups. Yeah, by People far. our age are not because. Well, because. So the first thing you do, you get very many pages of instructions about how to boil your menstrual cup in order to sterilize it before you use it. And I will say again, as a healthcare provider, what threw me here is you... Can they, you put it in the dishwasher? Um, well, I'm just going to say no. Next to the wine glasses. <laughs> I'm just going to say no to that. So it, what wasn't clear to me is if you're supposed to re-sterilize it regularly or not. Okay. Um, and that gets complicated. It's not right? somewhere in the 130 it, pages. You know, it could be. But it gets they, complicated. They right. Okay. So they it gets complicated me. because you take the menstrual cup, which is silicone. Yep. And you. And you fold it. Yep. You And that's page cars 10. Holding, cars fold holding the up cup. the pamphlet for me. And then there are lots of pages that give you lots of different folds. Right. Because everyone's vagina is shaped differently. Mm-hmm. And what's comfortable for inserting a silicone menstrual cup in one vagina might not be comfortable in another vagina. So there's different ways to fold it. And remember, flashback two minutes ago to our smaller versus larger tampon. You can imagine that in smaller bodies, the fold may have to be very, very narrow. And menstrual cups are made in different sizes. Yes, they are. There's different sizes and the different companies size differently, but there are different sizes the most challenging thing for some people is that in order to insert a menstrual cup, you have to put your hands, your fingers inside clean. Your, your clean fingers. Your clean fingers inside your vagina. And this is a really important limiting factor because using a menstrual cup really does require that you're somewhere with clean water. Yes. Because okay. also when you remove it and you have point seven, five milliliters of menstrual fluid in your menstrual cup, that fluid has to go somewhere. Has to go somewhere. And yeah. you will have menstrual fluid on your hands yeah. from removing the cup. And so you need to be someplace yeah. where you can wash your hands with soap and water. And, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read one <laughs> excerpt. Oh my God, you're obsessed with the because, book. Well, I, I, look, I, I am, everyone do your thing. This was complicated. I personally found this a bit complicated and overwhelming, although I could see how once you get a lot of practice at it, it's no big deal. But wait, um, I know someone else who pulled out their menstrual cup and spilled their menstrual fluid everywhere. Right. I mean, there's just a lot that could go wrong wrong yep. for people who are used to other types of products. So this is what it says in the booklet. It says, while sitting on the toilet or standing with one leg up on the bathtub, Gently separate your labia with your free hand. Holding the folded cup between your thumb and forefinger, push the curved edge of the folded cup into your vagina horizontally. Breathe. You've got this. (laughs) (laughs) And then turn the page and it says, your diva cup may open before it's fully inserted into your vagina. Don't worry. This is normal. Continue to gently push the cup into your vagina until the stem is even with the vaginal opening. Inserting the Diva Cup too high may cause leaks and make removal difficult. And this is where it takes some practice, okay? There are tips about how to point it. Then once you've got it in, the next step, we're now on page 17, is to rotate the cup a full 360 degrees so that it essentially has a seal. Yes. Then there's an 
alternate mechanism where you can put it in and then you can kind of push and rotate. And again, you're the only person who's ever read this. I I swear to God, if I use this, first of all, mine didn't come with this. And I would never read this. I would just shove it up there. Yeah. Well, I must have spent 20 minutes reading this. And like any other new skill in life, the first time you do it, putting a tampon in, doing anything the first time, it feels complicated and overwhelming. But this was, this was a little bit complicated for me. Instead of our Passover Um, Seder, my family's going to read the Diva Cup booklet. (laughs) I tell you, it might be, it might be a different kind of interesting. So um, in the booklet, there's a lot of talk about how long you can leave it in. It is uh, a foreign body, but most of them are made of silicon. So it should be non-reactive. And especially if you've sterilized it, it, there should not be any issues of what you're introducing into your body. So what they recommend in this particular booklet for this particular cup is that you empty it every uh, about two to three times a day. So you can leave it in up to 12 hours, which is far more convenient. And for the lots upside of, of menstrual cups is the environmental impact is basically nil. It's basically zero. And so, yeah. you yeah. know, that's a, that's a positive yeah. thing. I mean, taking it out is, is hard, yeah. frankly. And it's hard because, you know, again, you have to have clean hands, you have to go in and you now have to take something that is made of silicone. You have to in a moist environment, you have to kind of unseal it. You have to get that that seal to loosen it. It's not easy, but boy, does it spare landfills mm-hmm. and does it allow people to um, have a much longer runway between needing to use bathrooms or, I mean, you, you'll have to pee with the Diva Cup in, which you can. Yeah. By the way, you can pee with the tampon in, you can yeah. pee with the Diva Cup in, but um, it totally rocked my you can't experience. teach an old menstruator new tricks. <laughs> that really makes me, I feel like the image of me is an old I, well, menstruator. I've been is menstruating really... for, what year is this? Uh, it's 2021. 2021. It's almost 2022. It'll be 2022 when this charming episode comes out. I've been menstruating out. for 32 years, 33 years, 33 years. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, We can take that trip down memory lane another time. So we're going to finish with our practical puberty takeaway, our practical period puberty takeaway, just to add another P into the mix. I will start. I never fully appreciated how much early menstrual care products limited people's ability to be active. And I have a greater understanding of what pain can do. Dr. Hina Talib talked a lot about endometriosis and other pain that people experience from periods. I have an appreciation of that, but I never fully appreciated how lack of access to certain kinds of menstrual care products could really have limited my life. And I am so grateful to have had the products I did in order to be able to continue to be active and play sports and dance and do all those things without curtailing my life. So thank you for that. I'm staring at the safety pins. Thank you for that appreciation. All right, Cara, what's yours? Well, this was a different kind of homework assignment for me. (laughs) I've never had one like this. And it made me wish I was going back into the classroom immediately to start teaching kids because um, it's really incredible what innovators have done in this space. I am acutely aware of how fortunate we are those of us who have periods and can afford period products. They are expensive. They are expensive. We are so fortunate to be able to have them. And if this shone any light for me, the real light it shone was on the fact that that we have a lot of work to do in the period poverty space, not just internationally, but domestically, right in our own backyards. There are so many people who continue to be limited by their periods. And that's a social justice issue. And it's something that really needs fixing. And I have a really good feeling that these incredible, mostly young people who are innovating in the space are also going to begin to help the world solve for that. Vanessa, the next assignment is yours. Oh boy. (laughs) 
The pressure, the pressure. All right, I'm I'm on it. Thanks, Cara. <laughs> Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at the puberty podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myumla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye.